What's going on, everybody? Good morning. I'm Joe Y. Rostick, your friendly neighborhood pastor for Metro Praise International Church. Going to be doing a live cast today from uh, this time till 9.30 a.m. And I'm really excited to do this with you. I'll be doing my best to answer your questions as we go along. So make sure you post them up. If you were tracking with me on my personal Facebook page yesterday, you saw that I addressed the, uh, an issue in People's Church, a local church here in Chicago, with a pastor that came from the Hillsongs Church in Australia. I put an open rebuke there to them and a challenge to all their members because I love them and I care about them. So I'll be discussing that today, and it includes the LGBTQ uh, issue with inclusion and how we should deal with it in the church and a lot of things that the Bible talks about that. So share if you care right now and you want other people to know about this. And if anyone from their church uh, wants to get on, we can make an opportunity to do that. Or if this video is shared with them, I can do another live feed with someone in their leadership. It has to be appointed leadership, not just interns or random members. It needs to be leadership. So let me just uh, show you what sparked the whole thing. I have a friend that follows them on Instagram, and basically they showed me what they had posted. It started with their wife, uh, his wife, the pastor's wife, and then they put it on their main page. And I'm glad they put it on their main page because we don't need to make it necessarily personal towards one person. It is a church stance that they have. And so here they say, People Church, LGBTQ, ready. Now, I'll just read this in its entirety so that no one thinks I'm taking it out of context. I don't want to be blamed for doing those kinds of things. That's not my intention. This is not gotcha apologetics. I'm not here to make people intentionally look bad. I know that all the time, uh, it, you know, every time I preach, I say things wrong by accident. Just take, for example, yesterday, Sunday, I was explaining science doesn't say anything, scientists do, and I say science is not like a talking word on Sesame Street going, hi, I'm science, S-C-I-N-C-E, and then I misspelled science embarrassingly, yes. I mean, we all make these kinds of mistakes, but no, this is a actual stance of the church. Now, I see you guys sharing. Good to have you here with me, and I want to let you know if you missed this, we are also on podcasts on iTunes. You can check us out. I like to listen to it at Double Speed Podcast. Look us up, Metro Praise International, or go to your Google's app store or your Apple app store, download Metro Praise International app, and you can go ahead and do that. Thank you, Randell, for checking this out. I'll be looking at my other screen here to try to keep up with comments and questions as we go. So this is a public statement. This is nothing that I'm picking on. This is not something that they did not intend to be public. Some people might bring up Matthew 18 and say, well, why don't you go to them personally? There's nothing personally to discuss. I don't know him personally. I don't have his number. This is not a personal issue. This is a doctrinal issue. This is a stance that they put up. And our church has a stance on our page. If you go to Metro Praise uh, international, mpichurch.org, 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 you will see under beliefs, we have a stance on homosexuality, abortion, and so forth. Anybody can talk about our stance, so no problem there. LGBTQ, ready? We're going there today. Okay, so they know they're going to go there today because we've been thinking and processing. Great, so this is going to be the result of your thinking and processing. Let's see how good as pastors you can be. Let's see where you go with the scriptures, right? Because this should be uh, taken seriously. And says, it's, our, it's something our leadership and our team have had conversation around, and it's time to talk about it. 
We receive countless emails, messages, and inquiries weekly from people asking if we accept people from the LGBT community. We ask ourselves, why is this even a question? If we haven't lost you here yet, please keep reading. Well, why that's a question, as, as you're going to find out, is the gay community wants to be accepted, included in the church with full member benefits. When a member is a, when a person is a part of your church, they can get married in your church, they can get baptized in your church, they can serve in your church. Now, we don't do necessarily membership at Metro Praise International, we do discipleship, but the same things apply. If you're a good, uh, if you're a person that's in good standing in the discipleship of our church, all of these things are no-brainers. Now, they probably do something along the lines of membership, and they're being asked, do you have an inclusive nature towards the uh, inclusive stance towards those who are LGBTQ? That's an honest question. We're asked that all the time, too, and we give them our answer and refer them to our page. And also, because we have not given them the answer they want, they have left negative reviews about us. And hey, that's a part of the reproach we take as Christians. Jesus said, if they persecute you, if they persecute me, it's because if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. And if they're persecuting you, it's because they first persecuted me. A teacher is not above their master. So I don't know why that's a surprise to you. You should be ready to answer these questions. So acceptance, can we accept you? Yes. Strong yes. Well, right there is where we begin to start what, we would, what I like to call is a word salad, where you just throw everything in, shake it up, and say, now, bon appetit. Uh, this is double talk right here. When you say the word acceptance to a homosexual, they, and they're asking this question, they have a certain baggage that they're carrying with it or an expectation that they're carrying with it. Acceptance now is having those full membership rights. Acceptance means like um, the Methodist Church and uh, uh, Urban Village in our city and other churches of the like manner, when they are saying, we accept you, all are welcome, and they even put this on their sign, Church of Christ uh, puts us on their sign right uh, down the road from us on diversity. What they mean by that is, we treat you as anybody else, like you have the full rights and benefits. It's not just saying that you're going to be separate but equal in a sense like, we're going to bring you in under an idea of love and acceptance that doesn't include loving your partner and loving your marriage to your partner, et cetera. No, that's actually a bait and switch technique. You're speaking double talk to them. If you say a strong yes to acceptance, but you don't include what they mean by the question of acceptance. And we'll see in just a little bit that people actually uh, from the gay community begin to write them and say, we know that you're playing double talk here. This is not true acceptance. You shouldn't really say those words. Okay, now does everyone need Jesus? Yes, strong yes. Um, this is the strong yes thing. I don't know if that's a new term that people are using, but I don't get to say yes. The Bible says that your yes be yes, your no be no. Uh, yes, strong yes, okay? Should everyone be given an opportunity to respond to the gospel? Yes, strong yes. And that is true. We should preach the gospel to sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. But remember, Jesus was a transformational friend of sinners, not a inclusive come as you are and stay as you are friend of sinners. So the woman caught in adultery, he loves her. He says he won't judge her, but he says, go and sin no more. The disciples had to be willing to leave everything and come follow him. This doesn't mean that we have to be sinless to be saints of God, but it means we must desire to live without sin or sinless. We have to desire to keep his standard of commands and sin less and live holy, be 
perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So yes, we preach to sinners, but as we're going to see, um, as the gay person begins to come against them and attack them and say, you're not really using the word acceptance enough, a lesbian in their church will then begin to defend them and say, well, you should feel comfortable here because I feel comfortable here and they accept me here and they know that I'm in, uh, you know, a part of their church and I'm a lesbian. Well, see, this is the problem. They're making neither side happy and especially not making the uh, living according to the Bible and pleasing the Lord in this. But even the bigger problem is here is that they're not understanding the difference between really sinner and saint. If someone comes to my church as a lesbian, they are coming as a, a practicing lesbian. They're coming as a sinner. And if they have confessed their sin of lesbianism, and if you're watching this, anybody who has commented on this, I mean, I would assume that somebody may know you, maybe in our church, and we love you, and we want to talk to you and actually tell you the real gospel, okay? And you'll see that God's power is able to transform you. Uh, I counted a, a close to 10 people in our church that have either been gay, lesbian, or bi, okay? So they're free, and they're living free, and there'll be a testimony to you. But Going back to what I was saying here, you come as a sinner, just like the person living in adultery. You come as a sinner. You don't come claiming that you're proud of your sin. Like I'm a proud adulteress. I'm proud. I walk in the pride adultery parade. No, you don't come here saying I'm proud of being a lesbian. I'm always going to be a lesbian. That's God's will for my life. And then now the church accepts me. That's, that's not what the Bible teaches. And as you're going to see, they create that confusion. So is it possible that we have shamed homosexual sin over heterosexual sin? Sure, agree. Uh, I would agree with that. Have we fallen into the habit of congregating and discussing our favorite sins? Sure, there's certain churches that discuss their favorite sins. But that doesn't mean we don't discuss sin at all. That doesn't mean we don't talk about sin. We have to talk about sins, and we should talk about them all equally. And I'll show you in Paul's list, as I get into the Bible study portion of this, that we should talk about all sins and help people understand that if they continue in these sins, they are not a true believer. Titus says they may profess with their mouth that they know God, but by their deeds they are detestable, not fit for any good work. Okay, so yes, this, this can be true that some churches uh, treat homosexuality sin in a worse way than other kinds of sins. And so what does this mean for those who confess the sin of homosexuality and they do it again? Well, we don't kick them out of the church or call them a sinner any more than I would say that the person who's confessed pornography and has the sin again, you know, commits the sin of pornography, we need to kick them out. But we do keep them accountable. We keep all people accountable to not continuing in sin. So if the person in adultery said, you know, I'm coming here to hear the word of God. They're invited by a friend. They get saved. And now we're preaching the gospel. And then they slip back into that sin. We want them not to repent, not to get stuck in it and say, well, God just forgives me. That's the way it is. Paul preached against that, against that in Romans. He said, should we go on sinning that the grace of God may abound? He said, God forbid. Of course, we don't keep doing that. Whoever's in Christ is dead to sin. We don't continue to it anymore. Okay, so good to see Jose here as well. What fellowship does light have? But darkness is another good point. So they now say, or rather, do we openly distribute sins on a hierarchy? So do we put one above the other? Sure, that could happen. We can make homosexuality a higher sin in some churches. I know some churches may do that, but we don't. And I know Christians have, but that's a problem. Just all sins can send us to hell. What got us kicked out of the Garden of Eden was eating from the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. It wasn't rape, molesting, killing, you know. I mean, disobedience against God is worthy of damnation, and all sins are like that. So that's true. And the Bible says that, that he came to save all sinners. All sinners can be saved. Murderous sinners, adulterous sinners, uh, white lying sinners, etc. okay? Levels to what is accepted and what is not. Now, that's a little bit concerning to me. Um, I don't 
As a pastor, I cannot affirm anyone who continues in sin, continues in sin. And maybe now would be a good time to go to the scriptures. Let me just give you an example. I am not to fellowship with those who continue in sin and call themselves a Christian. Now, we could get into a whole other discussion on sanctification and how we should live holy. That's already been done in a prior video or podcast. You can go and check that out. But let us all just agree that we're not supposed to be prideful, boastful, rebellious in our sins, correct? Okay, let's go there. Now, what does Paul say here in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6 here? Or excuse me, let me go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. So it's not that we can't interact with the world of sin and those who are in that sinful place and invite them to church and have them come to the church. That's true. But what does he say? Verse 11, but now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Do you notice how Paul makes a distinction between us reaching out to the world and then bringing them into the church to be saved, not giving them a hope that they're already saved when they come in? When you hold up a sign at your front door, people, that says, welcome home, you're basically telling sinners they're coming home as sinners to a church. You can't do that. The body of Christ belongs to born-again people who now become saints. Saints only, the home of the church only belongs to saints. It's the body of Christ. The body of Christ does not have sinful parts. So if you want to say, I have a sign out there, you could say, a welcome back prodigals or something like that, but you can't automatically be inclusive to sinners coming through your door now saying they're home, like the body of Christ has now brought them in. No one gets brought in. Any No sinner gets brought into the home, the body of Christ, without getting born again. Now, once you have these people in your church, anybody, anybody, these people, here they are, sexually immoral kind of people, greedy people, idolatrous people, slanderous people, drunken people, swindler, swindler kind of people, no hierarchy, not picking on any other more than the, you know, picking on one more than the other, but you have any kind of these people in your church. You are to command them not to sin anymore. That's what Jesus says. Go into all the world, right? Make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So in teaching all that Jesus commanded, that implies accountability, one-on-one discipleship. So anyone in my church that continues in this sin, as Paul said, I am not to fellowship with them. Now, what's the difference between sinning and continuing in sin? So glad that you asked. So glad that you asked. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and onward. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says he knows him, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone, watch, obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. Who is the one that has the love of God complete? Like, ding, download, done. It's fullness of love of God in them. Since, since people want to say it's all about love. Who's the one that has the fullness of love in them? The one that fully obeys the word of God. 
This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. So what is a command that we are to obey to show God's love is fully made in us? Watch this, my dear children, just a few verses prior, same chapter. I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. And if you go up just a few more verses, just working backwards a little bit, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Truth is not in us. So if you're saying you're not sinning, that's a problem when you really are. Okay. Now look at verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. And then if we say we have not sinned, we say we're above this. We make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So how do we know the difference between a Christian who sins and one who continues in sin? The one who sins and is right with God obeys his word. And what is one of God's word? Confession of sin. You don't, you know, you don't hide your sin. You don't make excuses for your sin. You don't say this is the way God made me going right back to the passage of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 here. You don't try to say like, God's cool with me being sexually immoral. God's cool with me being an idolatrous person, a slander. No, no, no. You, you, you raise up your hands, white flag of surrender, I'm wrong. And you do that in accountability. How are people greedy? Well, if they're not being faithful in their tithes or offerings, you can confront them. Some churches do that by keeping track of them. We just ask people, are you being faithful in giving to God weekly or as often as you get paid? If you're not, we're going to deal with that. If you continue to hold back your money from God and you want to be a part of this congregation, we're going to tell you this is not a place for you. Everyone here has to contribute what God commanded. And that's another discussion, tithes and offerings. But we hold people accountable to that. If you are idolatrous, and I've had people in my church attend yoga classes that are more than just exercise, which I'm okay with doing the crooked chicken for exercise, but they're saying mantras and looking at pictures of yogis on the wall. We tell them this is a sin. Well, guess what? Guess what, everybody? You actually have to care about your congregation to know what they're going through so you can be a part of this. And this is called church discipline. And yes, I have a book. By the way, there's a book written about making a church based on discipleship. And we talk here about church discipline. So yeah, it's free online. Check it out, mpichurch.org. And then Paul goes on to say, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? So God is going to judge the world as it is. Are you not to judge those inside? What other way can you take this statement? Are you not to judge those inside? Keep reading. God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. So does homosexuality fall under sexual immorality? Absolutely. The Bible defines sexuality as one man and one woman in holy matrimony, union, togetherness. Any sex outside of one man, one woman in marriage is considered by the Bible, by definition, immoral. It is against the standard of the morality of God. So it's immoral. It's against what God did. Sex with yourself, not good, immoral. Sex with someone you're not married to. Sex with the same sex. 
sex with animals. Now people get all upset and say, oh, we shouldn't put all that in the same category. The Bible does. The Bible puts all sexual immorality in the same category of Leviticus. It teaches us against incest, child molestation, child molestation, rape, etc. Only one kind of sex is blessed in the Bible, and that is heterosexual sex in marriage. And even though God in the past allowed polygamy, he never blessed polygamy, and he made it clear again in Matthew that in the beginning, God made them male and female to marry each other in singularity, one man, one woman. And then Paul takes away any confusion in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the elder must be the husband of but one wife, one wife. So we have to understand the morality of the Bible. Very clear, right? So let's keep going through what they have said. So yes, we're not to have levels of sin of what's accepted and what's not. We all treat it equally, but we do need to equally have church discipline in our churches. So those here who may be amen and be going, yeah, go after those people at people's church. Hey, I want to ask you, is your church doing accountability? Are they making sure the slanderer's not there, the drunkard's not there, and that they are accepting into the body of Christ what Christ accepts into the body of Christ? So they're not putting leaven into the place where it's supposed to be unleavened, in other words? Okay, let's keep going. LGBT community. We have a question for you. Will you let us love you even if we don't agree? Now, right there, I think that's cool. Can I love you if we don't agree? But remember, they had already said above this that they accept them. And as we will see in just a moment, the gay community sees the double talk. What does this mean that you want me to be a part of your community, to come into your church, and you're going to quote unquote love me? but yet you're not accepting me. See, for me, that's real easy to say. I love the sinner. I hate the sin. The Bible says that God so loved the world. You know, I love you. This is what we're here to do. But I'm not giving you a false assurance that you're right with God. If you are in these sins, and people ask me all the time, how do you as a church welcome in sinners to preach the gospel to them? Very simple. You bring them in, and as you preach, you let them know they're sinners. Not like pointing them out in the congregation, but by your preaching, you let them know you're still a sinner. And we have even had to have conversations with people where they're kind of like taking communion, getting around the church a lot and everything. And we can see they're maybe living with their girlfriend. And we say, hold on, are you claiming to be a Christian now? Because if you do, Bible says, 1 Corinthians 5, we can't even eat with you. Or are you here as a sinner listening to the word of God to decide if you're going to be a Christian? Because there's a difference here. Sinners hear the word of God and can make decisions to become saints. I understand that's a place of what we have to do on Sundays and in the congregation. Got it. But guess what? We do not want them to assume that we think they're right with God because then we're giving them a false impression. So that is how we do it in accountability. And yes, we've actually had people say to us, uh, well, I kind of thought I was a Christian sleeping with my girlfriend. We're like, no, you're not. If you want that affirmation or you want that acceptance here, I'm sorry, this is not the church for you. But if you'll admit that you're not right with God, according to the scripture, like we'll show it to him and we love you. Uh, you're more than welcome to stay and keep hearing the word of God. But you have to know that when you take communion, you're, if you're not saved, you could possibly become ill and die from it. This is a warning to you. And that if you were to die, you were to go to hell and we're going to preach to you the gospel. And when you accept it and you're ready for discipleship, you let us know. But don't be a hypocrite. Do not pretend to be right with God in our church. You're welcome as a person who's not right with God. Do you see the difference? As I open up my window here, that's how we're friend of sinners. We're transformational in our relationships to them. 
And remember, you do this in love because you love people. I don't want anybody going to hell. I don't want, I mean, I believe in it, right? But I don't want them going there. And so a true love tells the truth. Jesus loved us enough to tell us the truth. Let's keep going here. Does everyone need Jesus? Strong, yes. Awesome. Should everyone be given an opportunity to respond to the gospel? Yes. Okay, so we're not taking surveys at the, the door before people come into our church to ask them, are you a sinner or a saint? Are you living right? No, we're going to do that in accountability. We will do that privately with people. It will only get public if they make their sin public and then try to get mad at us. We've had to do what Matthew 18 says through all phases. These kind of churches, I don't even know if they've ever done a Matthew 18 to the last phase where they have to tell it to the church that there were people here that were claiming to be Christians. Now they've turned away and they're trying to bring others with them. Most of the time, people only make it to the first or second phase of Matthew 18. They leave quietly, and we just, we just keep moving on. Okay, come back when you want to live for Jesus. That's fine. But you make a mess, we're going to clean a mess. We're going to let people know you're affecting, whether it's in social media or in this church, that you're not right with God. We're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to warn people not even to eat with you. Isn't that what the Bible says here? I'm telling you, not even, not even to associate with anyone who calls themselves a brother or sister and does these things, do not even eat with such people. Still in the Bible, got to live by it, right? So let's keep going. We know everyone needs Jesus. That's awesome, okay? Here we go. Is it possible that we have shamed this sin? Oh, excuse me, uh, LGBT community, we have a question for you. Will you let us love you if we don't agree with you? Cool, okay. Will you step into community even though we don't agree? Now, that's where we got to ask the question, what do you mean by community? Because community, according to the Bible, is a different kind of word. Ecclesia is the Greek word for the church, and that really kind of is a, is a way of, of describing the community of Christians. Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship that says in Acts chapter 2, at the end of the chapter there, uh, what they had amongst each other, that is only reserved for Christians. So right here is more of that double talk. Here's more of this like, yeah, we don't know what you mean by that. You're going to see in just a moment the gay Christians who's, who's angry at them doesn't like what they're saying. And then there's a gay Christian who actually comes to their church that likes what they're saying. So, so they're, they're, they're trying to play both sides of the fence, and it doesn't work. And the Bible sets the standard here. So I think they need to be more clear on what they call community. Now, here's something good. Our stance and convictions align with the Bible. Okay. Can you name those stance and convictions? Um uh, is there a scripture here? Can you put a Bible verse? Do you guys have one of these? Uh, it would be good to show somebody what the Bible actually says. Uh, I just read one. I just clearly read one that the sexually immoral shall not inherit the kingdom uh, of God. We got to get away from them uh, if they're calling themselves Christians and doing that. Uh, let's go to the one that I put up before. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's a scripture to put up that everybody should know. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. And notice this, most of Paul's sin list from Galatians to Corinthians to other letters like Ephesians mostly start with sexual immorality. It's a big deal. We shouldn't be shying away from sexual issues, okay? So neither the sexually immoral. Now, that should have just blanket statement, anything outside of heterosexual marriage, right? Boom, that's over. But he keeps going. Nor idolater, nor adulterers. That's another part of sexual immorality. So now there's technically two things on the board with sexuality. Now watch this. Nor men who have sex with men. Now, my friends, I have uh, my uh, uh, Greek Bible over here. Um, and, of course, I won't find it when I need it. 
but I do have my Greek Bible. Scholars have dealt with this over and over and over again. Dr. Michael Brown's book, Can You Be Gay and Christian? There is no way around the terminology here. This means what it's translated to me. And of course, if it says you can't have, men can't have sex with men, women can't have sex with women, okay? Neither the thieves nor the greedy nor the drunkards nor the slanderers nor the swindlers will what? Inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed. So this goes directly against the LGBTQ agenda, which says you can't be changed from these things. We have 10 people in our church that says they've been changed from these things. The Bible says you can be changed from these things. Now, does that mean if you have been in that lifestyle, you won't be tempted? No, I'm tempted by my old lifestyle. But what do I do? I count my flesh as crucified. I live unto Christ. And if I ever give into the sin of my old lifestyle, like anger, perversion, etc., I follow the command of God, which says to repent, not to be proud of my sin, hide my sin, defend my sin. I repent of my sin. So guess what? Even if we don't keep the commands of God as Christians, there's another command that helps us out, the command of repentance. So if you're, you know, doing this thing wrong and sinning, you can do this one right and truly repent. And truly repenting is not saying God is cruel with my sin and I get to keep on sinning because of the blood of Jesus. Like he's that dirty rag in my garage that I always wipe my hands off and my legs off after I uh, cut the grass and I don't care about the rag and I don't care how dirty I get as long as I get clean again. That's not the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is just not cleansing so we can go back out and sin again. The blood of Jesus is holy and should be honored so that we don't sin, so that we live holy. Grace is not just forgiveness from my past sins. Grace, according to the Bible, is power in my hour of temptation not to sin. Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer that we should pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, take us out of evil. Hallelujah. And so that's what some of you were, but you were sanctified. You were justified. Let me clap back. Come on. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. Any questions? So sister, if you're going to this church or brother, if you're going to this church and you see these people there, these people, not just homosexual people, but these kind of people, and they're not getting set free, but they're being taught that it's okay and it's okay not to be okay and you belong to the community and all this. That's nonsense. You're actually keeping people away from hearing the true message, which can set them free and bring them into the kingdom of God. So our stance and convictions align with the Bible. I'm only halfway done uh, and I got a half hour left to do it. So hopefully I can get it all done. Be patient. I'm looking to see if there's questions here. Okay, not any questions yet. Thank you guys for tracking with me. Our stance and convictions align with the Bible, you will be loved no matter, um, we, we may not agree with you, but does that truly matter? Yeah, it matters. It's not what the Bible says. I mean, we may not agree on this, but does it matter? Yeah, that's kind of what the Bible teaches. The Bible says in Amos chapter three, verse three, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. My friends, where there is not one single vision, there is division. If you have a difference with people serving in your church over whether or not homosexuality is a sin or not, that's not a gray area. They're disagreeing over a clear judgment of the word of God based on heaven and hell. You owe it to them to teach them the truth if you care about their soul. So I'm not here to give you double talk or a word solid. I ought to care enough about you to say, 
even if you don't come to our church and you leave with this message, I'm leaving that up to God because the Bible says we are to be like watchmen. Ezekiel chapter 3, 17 and onward, we are to take this call upon ourselves. Paul saw himself as a watchman, reiterated here the calling of Ezekiel in his, in his time with the Ephesian elders in the book of Acts. He said, I'm free from the blood of all men's souls. That's the language here of the watchmen in Ezekiel, where they would stand on top of the walls and see if the enemies are coming. And Paul makes that, uh, God makes that prophetic alignment to say, this is what Ezekiel, you're like prophetically to see what's coming against my people and warn them. He says, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning for me. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Instead of just saying, let's agree to disagree over things having to do with heaven and hell. When I say to a wicked person, listen, we're supposed to actually talk to wicked people. You shall surely die. We got to tell them you're surely headed for destruction. And you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life. That wicked person will die for their sin. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. Is that not what we're supposed to do? But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from the wickedness or the evil ways, they will die for their sin. But you will have saved yourself. Come on, my friends, let's preach the gospel. I'm glad that you guys are tracking with me. Share if you care. I'm going to be on here another 20 so or so minutes. Let's go through it. So, yeah, it does matter if we agree on these kind of issues. It says next, there are topics and intimate factors of life that the Holy Spirit leans into, and that is none of our business. Isn't that the business of the watchman? Isn't that the business of the elder in the church? We just learned that we're supposed to know who our people are in the church and put them out if they're not living for God, because the church is supposed to be a holy batch of dough, the Bible says. The unleavened bread, leaven representing sin, we're supposed to have it out of our midst. We are not to allow people to continue in sin and consider themselves Christians. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 is very clear that those who continue in this kind of sin have no place in the grace of God. And so we do them no favors by accepting them into the church without teaching them to first repent of these sins and not continue in them. Hebrews 10, 26 says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after having received the knowledge of the truth. So you got to give them the truth. And if they keep sinning in that truth, look what the Bible, after knowing that truth, there is no more sacrifice for sins. No sacrifice for sins is left. We cannot promise them they have forgiveness when the Bible says if they continue in that sin, the sacrifice does not count. The sacrifice of Jesus is only applied to those who have true repentance. Now, somebody may say, what happens if I sin and then I die before I sin? Uh, I die before I confess my sin. God is not playing a game with you like that. He would know your intention is to really confess the sin. What he's talking about is those who have no intention of ever leaving the lifestyle of sin. Those like in the LGBTQ community who affirm their sin, and they're, they're not considering it something that they even need to change. This is how God made them. This is how that they express their love for one another. So that right there shows you they're not even confessing it. And if they were to say it like, just in case it's a sin, Lord, I do want to make sure I'm good with you. Please forgive me. The Bible says that's not genuine because that's just like the person living with their girlfriend saying, God, just in case I were to die tonight, forgive me. No, genuine repentance, if they really meant it, is to re of the penance. Penance is what you're sorry for, and re means to go away from that which you're sorry for. You would have an about face, a 180 turn from the actual sin. That's why this warning is in Hebrews that if you continue in your sin deliberately, 
after knowing the truth, and that's what we're breaking down to you, there is no sacrifice for sins. Not, there's nothing there for you. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Did I say that? Did I say God will consume you with fire? Did I say that you're an enemy of God? Did I say that you should be afraid of judgment? That's what the Bible says. Now I say it because he said it, but don't get mad at me as if Joe put that in the book. Come on, my friends. I'm not going around into every Bible putting that in the book. No, our preachers like me. It's been there 2,000 years in the New Testament. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy. So on Judgment Day, there'll be no more mercy. We won't be crying for them. We'll be shouting. We'll be excited that the judgment is coming. Read Psalm chapter 2. We weep now. We intercede now on Judgment Day. We're excited. We're excited. Yeah, we're excited to see the devil, his angels, and all those who have followed him get thrown into the lake of fire. We will applaud. We will shout. And uh, some of us will even laugh. The Bible says he will laugh and scorn them. He will laugh and scorn them. I don't have time to get into it, but read Psalm chapter 2. The Bible says uh, the side of his robe is stained with blood. Uh, he's coming with a sword. Armageddon is a blood bath. Literally, blood as high as a horse's head. For a hundred plus miles, no joke. Fear God, people. Get serious. And it says in verse 29, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled, watch this, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? So the continual lifestyle of sin is compared to trampling literally the Son of God under your feet. That's what it's like when you keep walking on the path of wickedness is you're trampling on the blood of Jesus, trampling on him, who has treated as an unholy thing. Remember talking about the rag, you just do it to get clean. Unholy thing, the blood of the covenant, that sanctified him. So this even means you could have been saved and now walk away from it and who has insulted the spirit of grace. Some people are like, it's all grace, it's all grace. God will always forgive us. And there's a true sense that, that as long as we're alive, we can be forgiven and repentance is an option and praise God for the breath you have now to change and be, be forgiven. But you can insult the spirit of grace by thinking that the sin you're committing is okay and you keep doing it. That insults him. And then the Bible says, verse 34, we know. We know him who said, it is mine to avenge. So sometimes they think the God of the Old Testament is a big old meanie. And now Jesus, Barney comes, Jesus, Santa Claus comes. No, he quotes the Old Testament. He goes, we know, y'all. We know God said, it's mine to avenge. I will repay. Well, is he going to repay ISIS? Who is he talking to here? Is he going to repay Hitler? No, look at what he says here. I will repay. The Lord will judge his people. He's talking to his own people. That's why the Bible says the shaking starts in the house of God. If it's hard for the righteous to be saved, how much more so for the wicked? The Lord will judge his people starting with us. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Read Jonathan Edwards' classic message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, if you want more on that. So they're kind of skirting the issue again. Word solid. There is a beautiful encounter with Jesus that one must truly experience, and that is none of our business either. So it's none of our business to whether or not people experience Jesus and turn from sin. Isn't that the entire purpose of discipleship? Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. 
Isn't that the whole entire point where it says confess sins one to another? And then now the Catholic priest comes, Father Tom, I'll, I'll be that guy in the dark closet. You can confess your naughty secrets to me. <clears throat> Sorry, Father Tom, I'm not doing that. Literally in the book of James, when it says confess your sins one to another, it means us confessing sins one to another. I don't need Father Tom in a dark closet to do that, but the church should have that in some form of accountability. Book plug, free book online, how to make a discipleship-based church. Find it on our website, mpichurch.org. Sorry a little bit for the sassiness, but it's 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning after preaching two services yesterday. And a little bit like a little bit like trying to understand what in the world is going on in the church world today. Yeah, a little disappointed, a little hurt, a little uh, angry and trying to filter my emotions with holy anger and not unrighteous anger. So please be patient with me as I do. And if the Lord convicts me, what am I going to do? Repent. And let me just, let me just stop here. This is hard for me too. Do you think I on a Sunday want to put this stuff up and deal with it? I know I get to clap back to people like, yeah, we got you Pastor, and all that. That's cool. Thank you for the support. But I know once I put myself out there, it's going to be debating on my page, people going back and forth. Don't judge. I know. I, I, the very first comment was that. Don't judge. God loves everybody. I get it. It's, it takes a lot out of me too, okay? And I'm not trying to say nobody knows the apologetic problems I face, but please, please pray for me that I can have boldness and courage and love and patience. Amen. For all sinners, for all sinners. So, okay, everybody can come and be saved at that church, I guess. That's great. But you got to say the other things too, sir. It's not either or. It's not that we kick out sinners and never preach to them or we're super strict. No, it's we love sinners and preach to them, and we also make disciples and teach them to obey all God's commands. We're full of grace and we're full of truth. Sounds like Jesus. We have given our life for service. That looks like serving people far from Jesus, bound in places that only the blood of Jesus can save, deliver, redeem, and move into purpose. Great. You want to reach sinners? Well, tell the sinners above there in the further up comments that they're sinners. So when it says right here, do we accept you? You could say real here. We welcome you into our congregation as sinners, and we'll preach the gospel to you. I mean, that's not hard. That's pretty clear, but you're doing the word solid thing here again. We open our doors and invite everyone to the table where the master has labored intentionally to prepare the best feast. Little bit of problem there again, the marriage supper of the lamb, which is soon in coming, which is uh, precursed by a precursor of it is communion. Uh, that is only reserved for the body of Christ. We don't have to check everybody at communion, but we should be very clear and warn against even Christians taking communion with sin because they can become sick and ill and possibly die. Bible warns about that in Corinthians. And so we should be honest with them that the table prepared is only for Christians who repent of their sins, okay? And conversations, breakthroughs, worship, tears, healing, restoration, freedom, wholeness, mission, surrender. That's sweet, sir. That's that, that they're offering that to everybody, okay? Come on, come all, all are welcome, all are loved. Now, that is once again a word solid because it's not true that all are welcomed in the sense the gay community is asking in those emails. Now, how much time do I have left? I have 15 minutes left. Let me just read, let me read without uh, putting their names up here, some comments that came back. And if you have questions, please uh, put them up there. And Lauren, our administrator, is going to keep an eye out there for me. Okay, good to see Jose here as well. Okay, so now watch what happens. They post that, and now a gay person comes up and writes to them and says, as an openly gay worshiper, 
that just happened to be looking for a new church and came across your page? The answer is no. See, here's the confusion now. They think that they made a clear message that people like this can come and be accepted. But this guy, according to them, is confused. And a gay Christian from their church is going to try to help unconfuse them, right? Uh, but really, the gay Christian is right. So the confusion is because they were unclear. So the gay Christian, uh, excuse me, the gay person, let's call them something Christian, but we'll call them uh, the one outside of the gay non-people church member is actually right because they discern them and go, you're really not accepting us. And you're talking double talk. Let's keep going. And you can see this on their Instagram. I'm just keeping away their private name from this public uh, feed. You are asking if the LGBTQ community will step into your community if you don't agree. My answer is no. I want to be clear. I only speak for myself. My friends and I travel from church to church praying for a home desperately seeking for a church to affirm that we were created in God's image to love who we want, who we want, but can't find it. So they're, they're understanding affirmation and acceptance means something very clear in the gay community and the double talk of peoples is not helping. So they have not made this person their friend and welcomed them even at the table. So what my point in saying this is, and them being confusing in the word solid, uh, they're actually failing at doing what they think they're doing. We as a church that openly promote what we do, we're actually better at it than they are. And I have no problem going head to head with previous homosexual, bisexual people to theirs. We have 10 in our church. How many do you have? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go percentage. If your church is massively bigger than ours, we have less go right now. 10 people out of a church of roughly 250. 10 of ours have been set free. Take away the 75 children we have and get right around 200. So roughly around 5% of our church has come out of the LGBTQ lifestyle. 5%. Show me that in your church, that they are now confessing it as a sin. They are free from it and living holy. See, what I'm saying is you're failing at loving them and truly changing them by playing this word solid game. Let's go. Let's be honest. This person... I would assume would look at me and be like, hey, I know where they stand. And you can see the reviews on our page on Google when they review us after they call us. We're very clear with them. But guess what? Guess what? Because sometimes we have them come and leave. And I'm thinking of one particularly now. But when they were out wiling out at the gay bars and all of that, they knew where to come back to get set free when they really wanted it. They knew they were loved. They knew they were loved. There was no double-mindedness of that. We love you. We smile. We embrace you. But we will not affirm or accept that lifestyle as a Christian. Sorry, we don't do it for slanderers. We don't do it for drunkards, et cetera. And if they say back, well, well, you know, how do you know they're drunkards? Well, we ask them. We do accountability in our church. Well, they, well, I know someone getting away with it. Well, tell me who they are. We'll get them in accountability right now. Okay, come on, somebody. And so they keep going on in this area. And it says, perhaps the answer is to build our own church. They talk about building their own church. And you can accept sinners. They say, and, and, the, and excuse me, and you can accept sinners all you want. That is fantastic. But I will not step foot in a church that will not, uh, that will tell me loving someone is a sin. I will not step foot in a church that will not marry me. I will not step foot in that church. And so our march continues to the next church. So they're very clear here. This non-people church gay Christian, quote unquote Christian, is saying, we don't feel that. We don't feel that. Now, 
to save this exchange, to, uh, to save the reputation of peoples, now a lesbian will get on, and I have it in my original post, her comments. She now gets on and tries to defend the church's stance and actually try to get away from some of the confusion of the word salad and now say, you're cool if you come because they're, they're cool with me, which now goes back to saying that's not cool with the Bible and the way they're cool with her because my friend, I almost called you sister, and I want you to be a sister if you're watching this, but you got to repent, ma'am. You can't be living in your sin and be proud of it and consider yourself a part of any church. The body of Christ, the church, means something, and it's for those who are born again, and those who continue in sin are not born again. So this person writes back, and they're, they're attending gay Christian of uh, peoples and goes, first and foremost, I just want to say 100% understand and respect your opinion regarding whether or not you can step, in, step into this type of space. I commend your courage and continuing your journey to explore various churches and search of one where you feel safe and affirmed. Now notice this right here. This person supposedly is supposed to be getting stuff out of their church is fully affirming this gay Christian's experience. Like you're fully a Christian. You're going to have it. Like in this person's mind, they've been attending people for I don't know how long, but they are not convinced in any way that homosexuality is a sin. They literally think that person's going to heaven, right? Like it's so cool. You're going to heaven. Just find a good church that loves homosexuals and lets you do whatever you want. Unfortunately, from my personal experience, that particular journey can at times be fearful, hurtful, and exhausting. Many people would have walked away from God because of this church by now. I certainly did at one point, as it took me almost a year to decide to find a godly space to navigate my own personal struggle to the bridge, which I was taught to be a sin. And, and, uh, and I want to be clear with this. She's saying, navigate my own personal struggle to bridge what I was taught to be a sin and who I was made to be. And so she clearly affirms right here, I was once taught this was a sin, but now I know this is who God made me to be and who is affirming that, peoples is affirming that. And they start to start, uh, you know, she keeps going on and she says, I have had a number of conversations with people, church members and leadership regarding homosexuality and gay marriage. Each and every one of these conversations has been respectful and loving in every way. Now watch this. No one has tried to convert us in any way. Let it come out of their mouths. No one has tried to convert us. Doesn't the Bible say if you convert a sinner, you have done a good thing? The Bible speaks about we should convert sinners. We should bring them back to the path of the Bible. And so they're saying no one has tried to do that. James chapter 5 verse 20 says, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way, they will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And that word there um, where it says, turn the sinner from their error in the King James is converted the sinner from the error. And so they are very clear here that no one has tried to turn them from their error. We have talked about a number of topics regarding the church and the LGBTQ community. And she says they continue to share life with me. And if you go back up to her first comment before she had to try to save the day here for her church as this one gay Christian, quote unquote Christian, was getting, you know, bothered by this. She wrote, thanks for leading. And she tags in her pastor, Chris Carmona, 
Carmona. Thanks for leading the church and for your courage to stand up for your beliefs and having humility to love others. We may not necessarily agree on everything, but People's Church has helped me heal from the church hurt. And most importantly, it's given me the best coffee. And right before that, she says, as a very proud and engaged member of the LGBT community, this is why I go to People Church. My friend, I mean, how much more clear could this be? They're not trying to convert. They may say, well, that's just the Spirit's job. No, the, the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 20, that it's our job to preach so that the Spirit might use the Word of God. The Word of God does not act as itself and just walk around and just say, every, say hi, everybody, I'm the Word of God. The Word of God is preached, and the Holy Spirit uses it. The Holy Spirit and the preacher work together. Together, and There's that passage, uh, James 5.20, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way or converted them will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What does the Bible say in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. What are you supposed to do? Just have conversations? No, preach the word. Preach it all as often as you can. And preach the ones that are hot topics that no one else is talking about. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come, and it's already upon us, when people will not put up with sound doctrine, they are not putting up with the sound doctrine in people's church. They are attracting people with false doctrine. The doctrine that says you can be inclusive in the community of the church without repentance. And the Bible says that is impossible. Even Jesus said in John 15 to his own people, if you do not keep abiding in me, I will cut you out. Okay, so if he will do that even to his own people, as we learned about in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and onward, how much more so is the world, the we going? to hell. We cannot give them false assurance. It says, if you do not remain in me, John 15, 6, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. And when you've read Jesus' parables, the weeds are already going to be burned, but he will even burn those who used to be branches in the vine. Don't play with God, people. Okay, and then continuing on what we were just saying there, that we are to preach the word because people will stop doing it. They'll gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Now, let me just say this. This doesn't mean our church doesn't grow. Our first service was full. Our second service was packed. We had well over 200 people. We have 163 right now as of September after the last full month, 63 disciples. We are now financially more blessed than we've ever been. 10% of our church is in Bible college. Over 80% is in discipleship. We give to missions. We are a blessed and prosperous church. So you can grow. You can do amazing things without having to compromise. And that's why we're believing for 100,000 disciples. So you're looking for a good church? Come to Metro Praise International. We'll help make you a disciple. Because the Bible says, go make disciples. The Bible doesn't say that the Holy Spirit and the little dove is just going to come down and just do the discipleship. No, the Bible says, you go into the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So we're supposed to partner with the Holy Spirit, preaching the word to God's people by grace and truth, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, because it is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16. They will turn their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you 
People's Church, you better keep your head in all situations. Get a hold of us here at Metro Praise International. We love you enough to tell you the truth. Endure hardship. Do the work in evangelist. Come up this Sunday and start preaching the truth. Invite us. I'll come preach this Sunday for you and preach the truth. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. We got to do all the duties of our ministry. All right. A few minutes left here. Any questions from those of you viewing this live feed? Lauren, I'm looking at the live feed. I don't see any questions right now. If you have any, would you please post them up? I only have about an hour. Today, I have to go to the Bible College and preach our chapel. SU and Bible College, if you're looking for a place to be trained up, that's Pentecostal and Holy in Chicago. Look us up, SU in Chicago on Facebook or at our website, npichurch.org. I'll be preaching today about the, uh, the problem of evil and how Jesus is the problem solver. Amen. By his grace. By his grace. Pass this on to your friends and family at the church and uh, at People's Church. If you have any there, let them know we love them. We're not angry with them at all. Look at the smile on my face. I'm not angry with you. I just love you. I'm angry at the devil. The Bible says, hate what is evil, love what is good. Uh, the Bible says that the, uh, the mature, they know how to do something. Hebrews chapter 5 says they know how to discern from good and evil. They're off the milk, and now they have practiced righteousness by equating themselves with the teachings of good versus evil. And you need to do that as well, my friends. Know the difference between good and evil. Don't be deceived by this world or by teachers who are deceived or by people who will become unintentional dragons or unintentional heretics. I don't know if people's church intends to be a heretic, but uh, that's heretical what they're saying. Does it mean they're going to hell, everybody there? No. I mean, I believe some are going to heaven. I know the woman living in sexual morality, she's not going to heaven. That's clear. But I don't know who else is going to heaven or hell. That's not my job to decide, but it's my job to tell you the path, the one that leads to destruction and the one that leads to life. And sadly, the Bible says the one that leads to destruction is really wide, but the one that leads to life is narrow. Few be there that find it. Uh, any other questions? What should you do if the pastor doesn't want correction? Leave. I already put that in my original post, Caleb. So go ahead and roll out. You don't have to go to that church. Thank God there's other churches. Have one. I have a pastor who doesn't do the word, but he accepted homosexuality. What should I do? Leave the church. That simple. Send them this video. Send them Dr. Michael Brown's book, Can You Be Gay and Christian? Call us up. We'll do an online debate with them if we can do that. You know, if they're willing to do that, most of the time they're not. But uh, we'll do that so the world can see what a gay Christian looks like when they get debated. And uh, we have already seen Dr. Michael Brown and James White do a debate. You can look it up. Michael Brown, James White, debate homosexuality just happened in the church with a lesbian and gay pastor. Love to do that here as well. So, yeah, do not support churches that are openly affirming gay and homosexuality in their church. Do not support it at all. It's only getting more popular. So get away from that. Find a good Bible church. Watch one online like Metro Praise until you can find one. We're online 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday, Central Standard Time. And we even have friends on Facebook that will do FaceTime discipleship with you if you'd like that. Okay. Any other questions? Lauren, can you, if you're still here, comment. We're all good before I close out. Thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully you felt the love, but you also received the truth. It's like asking somebody, do you want to be... Uh, you know, healthy or happy? Well, man, I want to be both. I want to be healthy and happy. Why do I have to choose? You know, do you just preach truth or do you only preach grace? The Bible says Jesus came full of grace and truth. You can have both. Amen. Is, is it is love? Look at this. Is the manifestation, manifestation of love just acceptance or is it only uh, rejecting of the sin? No, it's accepting of the sin or rejecting of the sin. I mean, it's so simple. Friends. We teach the word of God clearly and it can be done. 
Uh, some people are saying they miss us. We miss you too. I don't see any other questions. Otherwise, let's close out in prayer for them. Lord, we ask you to bless and prosper people's church as they do your word in obedience. We pray for all those comments that we read for those quote unquote gate Christians to get saved, to repent of their sin and listen to the testimonies of those in our church who you've already set free. And Lord, for you to do a mighty work in this city among those of all communities. God, we pray Chicago for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Monday.